0: When I first was called to Calgary, I was 27 years old. I know you're going, oh, just the other day. Uh, I was 27 years old, and uh, I, I was just telling my son this story again, because he had asked, Dad, how would we end up in Calgary? Because we're all Winnipeggers, you know, my family and all that. And And I... Gave the story again. It was one of the most direct, specific calls that I had ever received from God. It scared me, and I didn't even know how to tell my wife that we were moving here before. And so anyways, uh, in the process of coming here, I, I became an associate pastor, the very first non-German pastor in this church, a very German church, and I was the first one to break the mold, <laughs> and I broke it. And, uh, and I was 27. I came here, and the very first day I ride was November 1st and in 1989 and they sent me to the Banff Pastors Conference and I'm going this I like Banff treated spoiled food I think I can take ministry didn't all end up that way but that's all right Um, I want to share this morning and I'm gonna I'm gonna be vulnerable because I'm always in a rush, but I'm even more so in a rush today, knowing I have to drive to Renfrew after this. So please bear with the speed of which I present to you. Uh, Back in the early 70s, a father was uh, trying to get a barbecue lit, and it exploded. And I don't mock him, because I've done that and singed all my hair. And it was much bigger than a barbecue. And his 10- and 5-year-old son caught on fire because they were standing nearby along with him. And ironically, uh, the 10-year-old was able to take the 5-year-old brother and roll him in the dirt to put out the flames. And you know the old adage, what is it? Stop, drop, and roll. Yeah! But the problem was, that hadn't been created yet. It was three years later that the uh, fire, National Fire Protection Agency had actually seen that news story and what had happened that started the whole campaign of stop, drop, and roll. Because they knew the thinking was, well, if you're on fire and you're running, you're going to fan the flame. It's not going to do you any good. So they took that story of this kid who had not heard of stop, drop, and roll, and they turned it in. They got Dick Van Dyke. I know some of us know who that is uh, got him to do the commercial, and thus began began that campaign all the way till now and I say this because one of my morning times with god he he gave me that slogan, but with a spiritual significance, and it has been. Tattooed on my brain for the last, I don't know how long, and it got one of the big M's in my, in my journal, which means that's gonna be a good message one day. Because if God's hitting me with it, obviously He can hit somebody else with it. And so Matt said, Glenn, I'm going to Pastor's Conference, you wanna speak? I said, sure, I know what I'm gonna talk about. And so I pulled this out and I went to it and I'm going, well, first and foremost, the analogy of stop, drop, and rolling, and I give you the text where, how that connects, I will get there. But really, the, the fan into the flame thing is something God wants us to do, right? Because, Paul wrote Timothy once in 1 Timothy 1, 6, and he said, you know, here's the reason I'm reminding you of all this, because I want to fan into flame the gift of God in you. That's a good thing. Maybe some of us need to do a little more running to get the fanning into the flame of what God wants to do in us. But the stop, drop, and roll became stop, drop to your knees, and Think. And the reason I'm going to share this is right away. But I want to be vulnerable again. And I want to tell you that my issue, there's more than one, but one of my major issues in life is that I'm always in a rush. I don't know why. Ever since I was a kid, I had my parents show up at the rink taking me there. No one else would be there. And they're going, is this the right rink? And going, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're just early. And I have never stopped being like that. Cause some marriage issues here and there, because you know but you understand let me just give you a prime example. We recently were married one year, I was working downtown Winnipeg. I ran into a real estate agent said, "Hey, what are you guys doing oh we 're doing this restaurant i 'm doing flooring and all this kind of stuff he says oh i 'm a real estate agent I said oh, yeah how 's that Mark oh, great, you should come see this house uh, not just down here off on of main street and porridge or anything. I go oh, really? yeah okay i 'll go see it I went at lunch hour that very day, looked at it, said, "This is incredible it is a good deal. So I bought it. Then I phoned my wife. Serious. I phoned her after. I said, hey, I bought a house. (laughs) Communication is important in marriage. I understand that. So I had to let her know. Uh, I'm not as bad as you think. I had conditions like wife must like house. It was on there. But that whole thing, that's been me. Have I got into trouble in many other areas in my life? Oh, yes. Yes. Some have been good. By the way, I, my, my father-in-law thought I was absolutely nuts buying that house. And in one year, I made like $40,000 on top of it. We sold. Got broken into. It was a bad area. Why said, we're moving. Uh, <laughs> happens downtown and uh but i made 40 grand i just waved that back then i was i, I waved that to my father and i said yeah I, just, I yeah. it wasn't that dumb you know <laughs> uh, but but i'm like that and there's a lot of decisions out there and the lord it was reminding me again in one of the the issues in in my devotions and and this stop drop and think became very prevalent and uh it it, it comes from a post that was made not in facebook this post was well before Facebook was even a concept or an idea. It was 700 BC by a prophet of God named of Isaiah. The book that he writes in is written after him. We're in chapter 44 of Isaiah. And he, he's speaking on behalf of God. And God is about to address Humanity at that time with some of the issues that God is having with us. There's a few of those. And we begin in verse 6, and the Lord says, first thing I want to establish with those who are reading this, and he says in verse 6, this is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. He says, oh, by the way, I'm the first, and I'm the last, and apart from me, there is no other God. There is no God. I am it. So let's establish that first and foremost. And what had happened, as it continues to happen, is mankind was not only becoming oblivious to the existence of God, they would even push the envelope and were told that they would start to, well, let's get some substitutions for God. Let's create some of our own things that we want to chase and pursue and worship and our idols and so God gave me Isaiah 44 that morning and it caught my attention because it talked about a carpenter a tradesperson and there's some humor some sarcasm in here and God accounts Isaiah gives the account through God to give him the words and says by the way there's this woodworker he goes out into the woods and he's looking for the right tree he's going to create the right project he pulls it down you know obviously envisions in mind what he wants to create We read in verse 16 of Isaiah 44, and this is where God starts to say, think about this, what you're doing here. And it says, half of the wood he burns in the fire that he collected, half of it he burns. You know, he even says, bakes on it, cooks on it. He says, he also warms himself. And the scripture says, and the carpenter says, oh, I am warm, I I see the fire. And then it says, from the rest of the wood, he makes a god, his idol. And then he bows down to it, And he worships it. And then it says, he prays to it. And he says, save me, you are my God. Now here comes the source for my tag. Stop, drop, and think. Right after that, in that text, God goes on to describe humanity. Going, they know nothing. They understand nothing. Their eyes are plastered over so they cannot see their minds are closed. They, they just can't understand. And then that line came, and I wrote it big bold in my journal. No one stops to think. They just, they just do. No one stops to think. And then he throws this little th- tag in verse 19. He says, shall I bow down to a block of wood? Is not this thing in my right hand that I'm holding a lie? But that's what they were doing. And then I thought, you know, before, Glenn, you get too harsh of the stupidity of what we think that looks like, that the guy just made it. He he saw it for himself. Hey, your brother's my firewood, baking my food, and you're my idol, and worship me and save me. And we go, really? Then I had to ask myself, Glenn, what have you held in your right hand yourself so often in life? what in my life has become so pursued so important that somehow it it's going to bring me total satisfaction and happiness and enjoyment and fulfillment and most of the time it's just man made i says we all do it it may not be a block of wood but there are so many things that we hold in our right hand that somehow we think wow If i got this thing, then I have life. So often. And I think that's one of the reasons God gave us Sabbath. (laughs) It's in the Ten Commandments, right up with it, don't murder. So I'm thinking it's pretty important. And I said, one of the reasons, Glenn, he gave you a day off once a week is that you would actually stop, drop to your knees, look heavenward, and think what are you doing in your life? What has become so important to you? Have our eyes become so plastered over? And I see it not just in my life, in the lives of so many people that we, we, we become a, uh, living in a fog. In fact, the verse in, in Isaiah 44 at one time says, God says, a deluded a heart misleads this guy. And I'm going, boy, that, that describes a lot of us. You know, we have the extremes, you know, the lives of the rich and the famous or American greed, and we see that the epitome of people who worship this stuff to that degree. But I'm going, we really don't have to look any further than past a mirror to see that we all do this. we all holding something. What is that in your hand that you are holding, that you are pursuing, that's become a lie? And do you not stop and think about what you're doing? Again, I remember asking a lady, she'd be part of our church. And I said, Oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to be accountable. Oh. Had a friend. I said, you know, do you really all my arguments for God and his existence? She said, I'm not really arguing that, but if I believe, I can't have fun. And I'm going, well, at least they're honest. I'm going so many times we just maintain a life and a habit that forms without realizing that we got to stop sometimes and go, why? Why am I doing this? Back in 1892, William James said, All our life, so far as it has definite form, is but a mass of habits. Habits. And they say most of the choices that you and I make every day. Up to 40% are actually habits, how you chose to drive here, what you did first. Did I towel off, brush my teeth? Did I say this to my kids when I left? Did I... We. We live habitually. They say your brain likes to save energy. (laughs) So if it's a habit, just do it. You know, marketers, advertisers, they count on these habits and these triggers and those things in our lives. They will explain to you that companies pay a lot of money to create habitual acts in human beings. Because they know that sells. They know you will do things without spending any moment to thinking, Whoa, is this fifth Big Mac really good for me? But I always ate five. I never did. I'm just, it's extreme storytelling. You know, the you know, McDonald's fries, they actually make them dissolve quicker in your mouth because they know that the sensory path to your brain that highlights enjoyment with fat and salt is so fast that that's why it dissolves so quick. Because it instantly creates that enjoyment feeling. And they know that the faster it gets there, the more it triggers, that's why they keep them all looking the same and talking to you the same way. Because it triggers you and it feels good and that leads to addictions. I'm reading a lot of books due to things in my family and that. But just along the lines of how they manipulate the feel-good feelings that we have. And we don't realize sometimes what we do in our habits And that's what happens. And then I go, it's not so surprising then in Isaiah that God will look at just the pace of what everyone's doing and what they've gone to, that if I hold this block of wood in my hand up long enough and I think about it as my God long enough, I think he really will answer me as he's burning his brother and sister to keep him warm. And that's why God says they know nothing. They understand nothing. Their eyes are like they're plastered. They're closed. Their minds, they don't understand. They don't stop and think. I added the drop because we're talking about God. They don't stop, drop, and think. No one, it says, has understanding of knowledge. No one. Shall I bow down to a block of wood, a lie? Paul put it this way, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And then he says, of sound mind. I gave you a brain. You know, outside of the presence of God in, in our universe, the power and miracle of God Almighty, the second most powerful force is that God gave us the ability to, in a sense, stand outside ourselves and to think and make choices. Animals act on instinct. We can step outside and go, and Glenn, is it really good that you just cut that guy off in the road because he was driving so slow? Or I could just get into the habit that I'm an angry person. I do this all the time, and I'll think about it and continue to do this for the rest of my life. But God says, no, no, I give you an opportunity here. You have the ability to step back, to stop and think. Is that good? I've been watching a lot of history movies. I'm watching wars. I'm, I'm watching the First World War. I'm listening to Putin. I'm listening to the world around us. I'm listening to the lies, the fighting. The, and I'm going, oh my goodness, we are so dumb. We we have never learned. We have, we have never stopped. We continue to let greed and selfishness and hatred and anger and revenge, it just continues. To, you looked at me the wrong way. I still remember my mom telling me that all the time. The pastor. Like, What's wrong with the pastor, mom? He did look at me today. And then I became a pastor when I was 27, moved to Thornhill Baptist Church. Three ladies greeted me at the door. One, they were really upset who would drive such an old car. <laughs> it was mine. <laughs> and I was telling her, if you know how much you paid me, you know why I'm driving such an old But anyways, I'm not bitter. And, and I remember about a month later, one of the ladies came to me and upset at me. And, Man, I'm going, I, I, I didn't even remember her name. I go, well, what did I do? And she says, well, that time, that morning, you said hi to three of us. You looked at those two. You didn't look at me. And I'm going, I, I get it. My mom I understood it. I was prepped for that. And I just go, we we don't get how susceptible we are to evil and selfishness and habits, and toxicity in our minds, and our thinking, and our actions, and that we'll hear it in the morning, and then the next moment we're just on it, because it's just become who we are. I remember it was Pilgrim's Progress, and the character Peace said, if you realized how powerful your thoughts are, you would never think a negative thought again. If you just realize how powerful they are, and that's why Paul wrote, don't conform to the patterns of this world. Don't don't just get caught up in all those habits that that's just what you do. Stop and think. How? He says, by the transformation of what? The renewal of your mind. Stop, drop, and think. Think what you're doing. Ask yourself all the time. Why has it become, for a year and a half, I worked out of town. I didn't enter a church door. Oh, pastor. I went through enough in churches. I said, I don't don't need any more of that. And the hint that someone had a complaint just triggered a thing in my mind. I Well, see, that's why I don't go to church. Nobody's happy. Everybody has an issue. Year and a half. Didn't bother. I read a lot. I rationalized in my mind it was okay. And I worked on Sabbath. That became a new habit for me. Sabbath wasn't Sabbath. It was just another day out of time. What else am I going to do? We worked. That's how easy it In Ephesians, just a verse, God reminded me again as I put up M because I knew it tied into this message. He's talking about put off this old self which is being corrupted by these desires in this world, that's what happens. We get attracted to it. It's desirable. It triggers. We like it. And he says, how to be made new in the attitudes of your mind. Take off the old and make new attitudes. And then put on the new self created in God. And I says, well, yeah. When you go buy a new jacket, you have to take off the old one to see if it fits. And he's saying, there are things that we just continually do that we don't address. We just maintain and go on. And you can go your whole life. And then what happens? We always hear it. Regrets on the deathbed. Oh, if you could do life over again, what would you do? And we all, oh, I would be a better person. I'd be happier. I wouldn't work. It's always at the very end that we finally address that. Psalms 107.43, let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder, and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. Stop, drop, and think. Just this morning, Lord gave me Psalms 102. It said, worship the Lord with gladness. Know, know that the Lord is God. If you don't know that, none of this will make sense. If we don't take the time, none of that will make sense. He says, know that the Lord is God. And then I love the next thing. It's, it's He who made us. <laughs> Not our God. He made us. And I hear people complain, all oh, well, God this and God that and God this. And I go, well, you know. I get it I'm angry too many times for things that happen but I have discovered in the process of stopping and dropping and thinking as much as I can that God just reacquaints himself with me and he introduces no I am this and that and all of a sudden things fit in but if you ignore God if you ignore his scripture if you ignore his community if you ignore anything to do with him if he just becomes a nice thing to acknowledge well what do you think's gonna happen I was a bitter man for a year and a half with church. When I first showed up here in August of last year, and Matt was speaking out there, and I didn't know he was here, and I thought Tim was here, and I said, honey, let's just go. I was just at the tail end of kind of going, let's give church another try. That was my issue. It wasn't God's. It was my issue toxic thinking that I had to cleanse and to clear and to make available and that's why James says therefore put away take it off all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the word implanted in you it's able to save your souls there's so many things and I was just Sharing with Daniel earlier, I I love reading books and with regards to the human body and the brain and hooked and addictions and how everything works. God created it. It's his handiwork. I just like his work. And so I'm reading all this, and I've shared this countless times before but i'm reading this book by dr carolina leaf and she's explaining and she's going here's what she says science is hovering on a precipice as we recognize the responsibility and impact of our thinking and the resultant choices we make which have ramifications right down to the ways in which genes of our bodies express themselves that's epigenetics. That's the whole new realm that they're saying. It's not just like I've said before, color of eyes, height, size, that. But even the way you live in anger or frustration or sin or anxiety or worry, those turn on and off genes that exist. We're only scratching the surface. We think we're so smart. God has so much out there. He's going, you don't have a clue why I said these things, but why it's so important to you. And so God lays it out very simply sometimes and that's why in Deuteronomy 30, 30, 19, he says, guess what? I set before each of you, it says, life and death. It's, it's there, it's your choice. He says, I not only set life and death, he says, I set blessing and cursing. So you can either be a blessing or you can be a cursing in your life. I, I set them before you. And then he says, so that, I say, he says, you choose life so that your descendants may live. (laughs) The impact, he says, can go three to four generations, as we're told in Exodus. He punishes up to Why? Well, because it's the choices I make that begin to dictate so much chain effect down the road. And we're only scratching the surface. Every night we get billions of new cells. Neurogenesis. Just happens. Cleansing new cells. I like the way the Bible put it in Lamentations. What do they say? The Lord's mercies are new every morning. It's like you got another chance to take the new stuff, to get rid of the toxic anger and all the crap that you've accepted, deal with the anger and the bitterness and the unforgiveness. That's why Jesus constantly said, if you can't forgive, how am I supposed to forgive you? You're trapped. If you can't get over your anger, how am I supposed to give you peace and joy? You have the ability to step back and go and, Glenn, that really hurt what someone said. And I, uh, like you, I've been hurt many times. And I get mad and I react. But like my kids have come to know, give it a few moments, dad will come around. I got the emotional, and then I go, okay, I shouldn't have done that. But I'm hurt. And then I try to rationalize why I yelled so loud. It's because I love you. Didn't work so well. And Paul says, here's the deal. You can develop all of these good things in your life. And that's why Scripture lays out all these principles. Walk in the Spirit, Galatians 5.16. And 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 if you walk in the Spirit, if you take the time to read the Scriptures every morning and every day and let it soak in and you know God, the Scripture says you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It'll happen, but it won't be the prominent thought because you're just drawing so close to God because the Bible says that is in conflict with this and it is a battle. So if you're going to live by the Spirit, keep in step with it. Do what the Bible says, Glenn. Get into community. It doesn't matter if they all don't like you. Pastor's biggest thing. All the time. They don't like me. They don't like me. They don't like me. How many times I whined about that when I was 27? Oh, they didn't like what I did. Oh, my wife got so tired of hearing that. (sighs) I even got tired. I can't even listen to myself speak or watch it on YouTube when they have it at rent. I can't watch. I don't know. I just can't watch myself. I'm not going to put myself through that. You guys have to deal with that. So basically, as I say, Proverbs 23, 7, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So as you process and allow things into your life through whatever you do, on social media and television. And if that becomes the dominant factor of what you're soaking in, then don't be surprised about the issues you deal with. I, that's all I can say. I'm only speaking from experience. My wife is the, I'd say king, she's queen. She's the queen of self-discipline. She is never in her life Cared about TV or movies or anything. It has no room whatsoever for that. And she'd tell me for years and years, you know, why do you have to watch that stuff? Why do you, you know, she'd hear it in the background, what are you watching? Oh, honey, this is the real world, you know. You know, you justify all you want. And I'm she was right all along. You don't need all that stuff. You don't. Not if you're not giving God time cleanse your mind to transform to take out those toxic thoughts and that's why he wrote we demolish arguments we demolish every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and that's why the verse says then you take captive every thought every single thought in other words you stop drop and you think about is this a wise thing for you to do Glenn is this a wise way to respond? You know, they stop before you speak, you know, and, and and all these things. But I'm going, if people just stopped and thought before they posted on Facebook, they'd save so many problems. And I'm going, God wants us of a spirit, not of timidity, but of power, of love, self-discipline, it says, and sound mind. So take the effort to ask yourself, why, why am I doing this? Is this good? Is this honoring to God? And and be accountable to Him and to each other. It's, it's just so important. And I'm glad people were patient with me. Let's pray. i got to fly slowly on the ice in my big truck. I'll drive hopefully fine. Father, thank you. You are a gracious God, a forgiving God, a loving God. You offer us so much. It, it's it's mind-boggling that we have flaunted it back in your face. We've turned, we've ran, we've ignored it. We've grabbed idols. We've grabbed things that we've pursued in life, thinking somehow this will bring me happiness. We've ignored everything you've offered. We're just sinners. But I'm so glad you are a gracious and loving God that desires to forgive us, that your love is not dependent upon my performance, that it is eternal. It is for me. It is a gift to the... the sacrifice of jesus christ on the cross that i have received i pray god that we would be reminded of all that you want to do through us not misery but in peace and enjoyment that will blow our minds away will we not shy away from this will we draw into your presence and hear from you holy spirit every single day Give us the ability to stop before we do something stupid, to think about it, to bring it to you. It's not a guarantee. I know I've already made countless mistakes after, but Father, you are gracious and forgiving, and you can use those. And I want to honor you in everything we do here at Daybreak and in my life, and I pray for the lives of everyone here, whatever they're walking through, wherever they're at in their relationship with you, that you would make yourself known today. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.